The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. And today I have the great pleasure of having my good friend, Linda Smith, as my guest. Linda, welcome to the show. Hi, Marie. Good to be talking to you today and everybody out there. I don't know how long I've known Linda, but for a very long time anyway, when I was uh, much thinner and not as gray. Linda was my good friend. She's eaten at my table, slept in my guest room, and uh, <laughs> even put your my coffee cup in your dishwasher. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So uh, when I read this thing on the web uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it said Linda J. Smith, I thought, well, there's only one Linda J. Smith that I know of that writes about breastfeeding, and this thing is dynamite. I could hear Linda talking in my ear as I was reading it. And then I looked at the date and it said copyright 1986. And I thought, holy smokes, that is 30 years ago. Linda, for the people that don't know you, they've got to hear you. You you got to, got to read this article for them. Because it sounds just like you. <laughs> it's a real smart-ass piece. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, the story is I had been working as a childbirth educator at a big three-hospital system in Texas and wanting to do more about breastfeeding. And at that time, breastfeeding rates were pretty bad. And I thought, all right, let's do it. Instead of saying all the things you should should say, let's look at the other way and look at all the undermining statements and I sat down at an old typewriter not even a computer those days and whipped these this thing out just straight out so number one how to make breastfeeding difficult tell the mother to feed on a four-hour schedule or get the baby on a schedule this results in a low milk supply and a hungry frustrated baby and frustrated parents be sure to blame the crying on breastfeeding if it doesn't work warn her to limit the length of feeds which will accomplish the same thing Number two, be sure to get the baby used to a bottle. This can result in a confused baby who refuses the breast. It's also a great way to lower the milk supply and undermine the mother's confidence. So those of you listening, if you're saying any of these things, be ashamed. Number three, tell her she doesn't have enough milk if A, the baby wants to nurse again after only 
fill in the blank, two hours, 20 minutes, whatever. Or the baby will take two ounces of formula after nursing. Or your breasts aren't full and comfortable all the time. Those are all silly reasons. Since milk supply insecurity is the primary number one cause of lactation failure, this will introduce an element of doubt and fear into the whole process. Number four, tell her she can't or shouldn't nurse if A, she wants to eat chocolate or Mexican food or cabbage or fill in the blank. She smokes or wants to take medicine or she's going back to work or school in a few weeks or she actually wants to go out in public and do things like a normal adult because nursing requires privacy or her breasts are too small or too big or the wrong shape or her mother couldn't or she's too nervous. In other words, Find as many reasons for not breastfeeding as you can and look for any reason to interrupt it or sabotage. Put as much distance between the mother and baby as possible. Number five, insist that dad should give the baby a bottle or he'll feel left out. That's another great way to minimize the importance of breastfeeding. You know, it's hard to read these because these are such bad pieces of advice. I want to explain the good parts with each one, but I'll go on. Number six, tell her it may hurt to breastfeed and that sore, cracked nipples are normal. Pain is an excellent adverse stimulus. Don't teach her how to position the baby correctly. Do give her a nipple shield. Give the baby lots of bottles to disrupt the proper suck. And tell her to rub her nipples with a rough towel to condition them. And be sure to tell her every horror story you've ever heard about breastfeeding in vivid graphic detail. Number seven, tell her to give the baby formula, glucose water, and cereal right from the beginning to make the baby sleep. Oh, this I'm going to gag if I have to read this one. <laughs> This is another good way to ensure adequate, inadequate milk supply. Tell her that her milk might be too rich or too thin, which I actually heard from a relative of mine. Oh, brother. Try and make her think that formula is the safer option, and there's something wrong with her milk, even if she's lucky enough to have enough of it. This will further shatter her confidence. Number eight, separate her from her baby at birth. And show by your actions that water, formula, pacifiers, and scheduled feedings are the appropriate way to care for the baby. Since she is especially vulnerable this time and will follow your example, be sure to tell her how little breastfeeding matters. This will help her distrust her instincts even more. Number nine. Sounds like the David Letterman top ten. Don't teach her the normal course of infant behavior. Don't warn her about growth spurts and frequency days. Don't call or visit her, and be sure to abandon her in the critical first two weeks. Blame breastfeeding for anything you can think of, and make up reasons to stop breastfeeding if necessary. Number 10, give her plenty of formula samples to take home and further to further weaken her confidence. Make sure the literature you give her has many references to formula, and don't tell her how to keep her milk supply high. Make sure she doesn't call a leche league leader, lactation consultant, peer counselor, or anyone else knowledgeable about breastfeeding. So all of these tactics, individually or collectively, will discourage, undermine, and sabotage breastfeeding. So there. Yikes. And I know you just well enough to know that it just 
you sat down at the typewriter and you you type really fast, Linda. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. I mean, I think I type fast, but you type fast. <laughs> you know, you wrote this this thing, this article in 1986. It was relevant then. And it's still making the rounds. I've just seen it posted on several websites and, you know, geesh. Um, well, they're, they're supposed to link to it. They're not supposed to copy it out and post it. But that's okay. It's still going around and it's still accurate. And, and As I read through this, I'm thinking, oh, now there's research on all this stuff. Well, well, here's the thing. As I hear you reading it, I'm thinking there are only one or two things that are even maybe a little bit resolved. But tell me, what what was it that triggered you to write this article in the first place? I know you worked at the hospital, but was there some incident or some thing that just really got your goat and you said, man, I'm taking it on? Well, I've been hired as a childbirth educator. My youngest son, who had nursed a long time, was about 11 years old at the time. So I'd gotten past all the early breastfeeding difficulties. I'd been um, a LH League leader for a number of years. I helped form the IBCLC profession. We had done the first exam in 1985. And here I am working at this three-hospital system with breastfeeding rates at about 20% at best. So I'm, I asked my boss if I could put more about breastfeeding in my childbirth classes and asked her if I could do actually an in-service on breastfeeding. And I decided, yeah, there's so many things that you could say. I want to come at it the other way and look at what you can't, can't say. say. Yeah. So I, let's identify the sabotage and give them what to say. It's the two, two sides of the coin. You know, that's interesting because as I'm hearing you talking, I'm thinking that um, in the 1990s, I was teaching at Georgetown University. And the kids that were in my clinical group always heard more about breastfeeding than probably they wanted to, but that's okay. I knew I had a captive audience. But interestingly enough, the other students that were in the course, but not in my clinical area, wanted information on breastfeeding, and and they kind of said to me, well, you know, can you help us? And I'm like, no, I got my own group. I got enough stuff to do. But I did go to the uh, course director, and I said to her, you know, I I would be willing to teach in the theory portion and do a, 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 a thing on breastfeeding. Oh, no, she said, we don't have time for that, Marie. Let me tell you what I did. Well, well, wait, wait, I got to tell you the rest of the story. All right. So anyway, finally, it was the students themselves that went to the course director. And of course, that carried a little more weight. So she came to me and she said, now, Marie, about that thing with uh, uh, coming to the the didactic course in order to teach breastfeeding, are, are you still up for that? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm still up for that. She said, well, I carved out 45 minutes here. <laughs> she said, do you think you have enough material to cover 45 minutes? <laughs> I could just see your eyeballs rolling back in your head. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. But well, you started to say. So I was starting to say that um, I got to coach my childbirth students, 12 couples per class. And at that point, I was teaching, I think, two classes a night, Monday through Thursday, and three classes on Saturday. So I had 11 classes of 12 couples a week. And on the evaluation, as I said, now, I gave you a little bit about breastfeeding. How many want smart kids? Everybody raises their hands. So you need to breastfeed. Oh, 
You mean it makes a difference? Yeah. Put it on your evaluation that you want more on breastfeeding. So a couple of months later, I was able to go to my boss and say, look at this, 100% of my evaluations over this three-month period have asked for more on breastfeeding. You will sneak you. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, I played by the rules. You know, that's the thing about you, and I'm sure it comes from your sports and your coaching background. You always play by the rules, Linda. Oh, yeah, and I blew the whistle on cheaters, too. Oh, you do. You do. But here's the thing. You make those stinking rules work for you every single time. Yep, and we could go on that theme for quite a while. Quite a while. (laughs) Well, you know... I know that you and I have worked together on different things, but I think the place that we worked together the most was on the United States Breastfeeding Committee, the USBC. And I saw you do that time and time again. You always played by the rules, but man, you got those rules working for you, not the other way around. Hey, everybody, I got to tell you, this is this is a really great story for today. When we come back, I'm going to talk with Linda Smith, and we're going to unravel some of this junk That people believe because in 30 years, neither Linda nor I have seen this change very much. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
are listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding every week. This week, we are busting myths that are beyond the beyond. Linda Smith read for us the article that she read in 1986, which was chock full of myths. Linda, we don't have time to take on all of those myths. I mean, you really packed a punch with all of them. And so we can't do all of those, but I want to start with this one that makes me especially nuts. The one that says the baby needs to get used to a bottle. If I hear this one more time, I'm going to flip out. First of all, I mean, this this get used to the bottle. I want to know, okay, then should we put shoes on the baby so he can get used to the shoes? No, actually, um, the husband should get used to another person in case the wife isn't available if he wants to get cuddly some night. (laughs) I'm sorry. This one drives me berserk because, so let me put my science hat on. Yep, we need that. When the baby is nursing at breast, the, the nursing part, the sucking at breast, the human contact, the shape of the nipple in the baby's mouth... All of those are important to the baby for emotional, psychological, continuity reasons, oral development, muscle development, over and above what he's getting there and the fact that mom is there. The baby at the breast changes the baby's behavior toward the mother in ways that nothing else does. You can put the milk in a bottle and that puts distance. That's one reason why bottles and teats or nipples are covered by the International Code of Marketing of Breast Milk Substitutes. Yes, formula is definitely competing with breast milk, but the bottle and teat compete with the mother's breast. Um, I'm the author of a one of the authors of a book called Sweet Sleep, oh, yeah. Nap mm-hmm. and Nighttime Strategies for Breastfeeding Families, published uh, by uh, Ballantine Random House for La Leche League. We put four, three and a half years of research into everything about infant sleep that we could find with over 420-some references in the book. And in it, we realized from the scientific studies in sleep labs that when a baby is nursing from mom, the mom and behave baby behave differently hour by hour throughout the night. And that doesn't happen unless they're breastfeeding. Yeah. The breastfeeding mother and baby are different. And the oral development is different. Uh, There's more and more research now on what's wrong with the bottle itself. Uh, One of the researchers from CDC and... um, It's going to slip my mind. I'll have to find it. But the size of the bottle actually determines how much overfed the baby is. Oh, that so makes sense. Yeah. Why do we make eight-ounce bottles when the baby's stomach is, at most, two ounces by eight weeks out? Linda, for the same reason that when you go in a restaurant and they put your meal on a plate that is big enough for a six-person family, and the plate is full and you eat the whole thing. It, yeah. it's, and then we wonder why we are such a fat, obese society. 
Yeah. I wanted to go back to the part about the what happens when the baby is asleep. I was going to say, Jim McKenna put, and we've been really trying to get him on the show, but he is a very busy man. Uh, he postulates in one of his recent articles that there's no such a thing as co-sleeping. There's only breast sleeping. And that sort of lines up with what you were saying about how this is a really different kind of a thing. So, Linda, why do you think, why do you think that people tell mothers that the baby needs to get used to a bottle? Because it it's, I've heard it a gazillion times. I know you have, too. Bottles were ubiquitous. And part of the formula feeding push from the formula companies, because that's the only way you can get milk into a baby easily. Actually, you can do it with a cup. But bottles were pushed as a symbol of baby, partly to get the mother out of the picture, because then somebody else could do it. Some people think that mothers use bottles because they want the distance. I don't know whether that's true. Babies who are left in daycare, the daycare people don't want to talk. They want to be talked to about using a cup. They want to give a bottle. So when mothers are not with their babies because of our crappy maternity leave policies in the U.S., what's the daycare center going to do? But that, Marie, does not explain why mothers use bottles. They're afraid of breastfeeding in public because there is still harassment. Um, Last week, I was visiting my daughter who lives in central part of Virginia, and she and her child nursed for many years. I nursed her for many years. And the attitudes in her community, a small college town, her friends who are nursing babies don't even want to nurse in front of her. And oh, she nursed yeah. her child for years. Linda, I can go you one better. I am astonished when somebody comes to my comprehensive lactation course and they don't want to let me know that they are still breastfeeding a toddler. Yeah, and I'm thinking, me too. I'm, right. in, I'm in this business and they know I'm in this business and it's okay with me. Uh, not that they're necessarily asking to breastfeed the baby in the course. It's just that somewhere or another, I pick up on it, but it's almost like they kind of didn't want to make that revelation. And that's okay. It's it's their business. But I just think that tells me a lot about the stigma. Linda, I loved your comment about an element of doubt in the article that you wrote in 1986, an element of doubt. And then you gave a similar statement undermining the mother's confidence. Now, I don't think we're ever going to get a study to prove this, but I truly believe that lack of confidence is a major reason why mothers either don't start or they don't continue breastfeeding. What's your You're, you're right, and there are research articles on that, and now they're calling it mother's self-intention, and oh, <clears throat> they're calling it a lot of things, mother's intention to breastfeed. But the confidence issue is huge. Um, Genevieve Becker, who... <clears throat> earned her PhD in a lactation-related field. Uh, She's a woman in Ireland. Traced the history of not enough milk. It goes straight back to Nestle's promotion back in the 1880-something, 84, 87 time frame. So all the baloney about not enough milk comes straight from the competitor. Now, any other body function that requires fluids... You wouldn't just say to somebody, oh, you better carry some artificial tears around because your eyes just might run (laughs) out of tears. (laughs) It's true. Oh, come on. Would you tell that to a man you might run out of sperm? (laughs) No. Or seminal fluid? No. 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 
it's just nonsense. Yeah. It's just not, and it's it was promulgated and is still pushed by the formula companies. And it's in the ads, it's in current advertising for formula now. Uh, by the way, back to the intention thing, the the intention research, as as I recall, started about 1994, and I don't think that intention is the same thing as confidence, but I do agree that there is some correlation yeah, there. Yeah, and, and the earlier <laughs> pioneers of breastfeeding in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s would use confidence and because they knew it was about confidence. Oh, Jer- Derek Jelloff, absolutely. Sure, absolutely. right. So tell me about the whole dad thing. Dad might be left out. Now, interestingly... I often get this from the mothers, not necessarily the fathers. So I want to know, do you think that fathers really do feel left out? Or do you think that mothers just think they're going to feel left out? Or do you think mothers don't think about this at all? They just say that to me? I think it could be a combination of all of that. Because if you think of it, how much role did the father have in her labor and birth? True. He started the baby, and that was probably an interesting experience for both of them. But his role in the rest of the pregnancy is all emotional and psychological and practical, like getting food and and protecting her. In breastfeeding, what's the father's role is protecting the mother. Now, how long does breastfeeding take? Each feed is, let's say, 20 minutes. So over a day, over a day, let's say it takes two and a half hours of the baby actually physically at the breast. Let's give it three. Sure. So what are you going to do for the other 21 hours? The baby has to be held, cared for, bathed, carried, cuddled, dressed, undressed, changed, uh, comforted, walked around. There's 21 hours in the day when someone other than the mother can be in a very loving relationship. I look at my husband now. I mean, we've got four grandchildren. We love our grandkids, and he had a role in all of them, but it wasn't feeding them. (laughs) Now, after six months, when the baby's starting to eat family food, sure, that can be a game. But as far as the mouth-to-breast part, that's the mom. Don't take that away from mom. There is nothing more satisfying to a woman than when breastfeeding is going well. That's not true. Other women could be satisfied by other things. But when breastfeeding is going away, Going well, it is intensely satisfying for the mother. Agreed, agreed. And I, I want to have just one father come up to me and tell me how lo- how much he loves getting up in the middle of the night and preparing formula. And, you know, I want to hear just one father tell me how what a thriller that is because nobody's ever told me that. That usually lasts about six weeks. Somebody tracked that, and by six weeks, they're so sick of it that right. they just just roll over, Who honey. Wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? Yeah, or even the dads that get up and get the baby from somewhere else and bring it to mom. That only lasts for a couple of weeks. Nobody's going to put up with that foolishness. And the whole thing of mom getting up, getting the baby, nursing the baby, putting the baby back in a crib, the research shows that, that only she'll only put up with that for a couple of weeks. Absolutely, that, that's true. And, <clears> you know, one of the things that I always tell other nurses is just remember, when the mother goes home, she's going to do what she wants to do. And so our job is to help her to make choices, to make safe choices, to get help when they need it, et cetera, et cetera. But just telling the mother what to do and what to not do, quite honestly, it's just like you and I. I mean, we're told to do something and we sort of know what we're supposed to be doing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we go home and we do it. Now, listen, I got to tell you, on the, when we come back, I'm going to be talking to you about sore nipples. 
because I've been talking about and writing about and teaching about sore nipples for more years than I want to uh, admit to, and it's still a hot topic. So, hey, everybody, don't go away. We'll be right back after the short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Linda Smith. We were going over that article that Linda wrote in 1986, and she read it for us, and there were so many phrases which jumped out at me, but every single thing that she said in that article 30 years ago, we're still hearing, and it's still baloney. Now, one of the things that she said in the article was, Tell the mother it may hurt to breastfeed and that sore, cracked nipples are normal. 
Linda, I got to tell you, I wish I had a nickel for every mother who has told me that breastfeeding did hurt, breastfeeding will hurt, breastfeeding has to hurt, women all, it always hurts. You know, women really think this and then other people reinforce it. So I find it really hard to talk people out of this because they got it in their head that it's got to, it's like a fait accompli. It's just going to happen. How do you, you're a really good teacher. How do you handle this? Well, I'm going to start by using a different example. Okay. The first time you have sex hurts too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's not supposed to continue hurting and it's not supposed to cause damage or or cause ongoing pain. And if it does, there's lots of people who you can pay money to have it not hurt or stop hurting or stop damaging. Yes, breastfeeding can hurt. There are conditions in the baby, particularly tongue tie, that cause terrible damage to nipples. And we're seeing a lot of that either because there is actually a more more incidence of that and there's some theories behind that or it's like having a red car all of a sudden we're seeing all the other red cars on the world on the road and we're fixing the easy stuff so first of all breastfeeding is not supposed to damage the mother's nipple in normal breastfeeding that doesn't mean it's without sensation because the nipple stretches to twice its resting length and squashes to half its resting diameter inside the baby's mouth well, the first time that happens, it's, whoa, yeah, it feels yeah. like the baby's got teeth because it's the first time it happened. If you go to the dentist and the dentist has to work on your back molars, they're going to stretch your mouth and your lips really wide and it feels like your lips are going to split. Well, the dentist isn't going to split your lip just to get at your back teeth, but sure. it can feel like that. So the anticipation of fear is very much out there in the literature. Well, Linda, that's a really good analogy. I never thought about the um, the, the dentist thing, but you're you're totally right in that. I just find that when people have got it in their head, especially those that had sore nipples last time, uh, it's just so hard to convince them that that wasn't that that's not necessarily going to happen this time. And, well, let, me, yeah. let me jump all over the world, word sore nipples. Sure. That's like saying sore knee. Right. Does that right. mean my knee prosthesis, prosthesis is infected? Right. Does it mean my, <laughs> my horse kicked me in the knee? Does it mean I fell on my knee? Does it mean I have arthritis? What does sore mean? It's a terrible term. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You can have mechanical damage to the nipple by either a poor latch, which is easy to fix, or a poor suck, often tongue-tied, which is harder to fix but still fixable. Or it's skin. You can have infections in the nipple. Well, we get infections in our lips and our fingertips and everywhere else in our body. We have treatments for infections. So why does it go on in breasts? Um, it's a very People, imprecise term is what you're it's saying. It's a terrible term. Yeah, I, I would it, agree, yeah. I agree. So I even have professionals who will sometimes say, well, you know, sore nipples. And I say, well, what kind of sore are we talking here? Right. Linda, I want to go on, though, to uh, what you said in your article about formula being safer, that people tell the mother, you got to stop breastfeeding because formula is safer than breastfeeding. And I really cringe because... I know, for instance, newspaper, cable news, whatever, it's always some drug, some food, some disease, some environmental contaminant, some thing, some whatever 
that poses some risk for breastfeeding. Honestly, every time I hear this, I think about you, Linda, because years ago you said to me that with breastfeeding, the risk is about only one baby at a time. You want to comment on that? Oh, that's a good way to put it. I hadn't thought about that one. Linda, you told me that one. <laughs> well, good. I'll, I'll take credit for it then. Yes, breastfeeding is only about one baby at a time. If you're selling the competitor, you want to make breastfeeding look as bad as you can. So you're going to go after every chink that you can find. So as you said, whether it was pesticides or not enough vitamin D, or we just discovered vitamin D, or a mom's taking, who knows, got her nails done in a nail salon. It's, this is, it's always something. It's always something. Nobody questions sperm. Nobody questions mm-hmm. your tears being bad for oh, you. Yeah. Um, it's all marketing hype. The formula companies spend literally billions of dollars on advertising to make us distrust breast milk or at least make formula look the same. There was a recent commercial about um, moms in a park, moms that are cloth diapering versus commercial diapers and the stroller runs away and they all catch the stroller and we're all in this together. Well, that increased formula sales exponentially. Really? yeah, it's because it's called innocence by association. Well, it's a yeah. very specific technique in the sales world to make it look like Coke or Pepsi or Chevy versus Ford. Yeah. No, yeah. it's Chevy versus the Boeing jet. Yeah. It's or, or Chevy versus the skateboard, I'm putting it the other way. No, it's the formula companies trying to minimize the importance of breastfeeding, which is why when I do any kind of a course that's more than an hour, I'm going to get my licks in of why breast milk is so important and why formula is so damaging early in the program. Oh, Linda, we never would have assumed that you would do a thing like that. Oh, I certainly would. I go (laughs) after it. Um, and tongs. I used to have a T-shirt that say, why breastfeed? Ever Ever see a smart cow? Oh, and anybody yeah. who's ever raised cows know that they ain't too bright. Oh, that's for sure. If so you want an animal that's going to be big, strong, and dumb, great. Use formula. There you go. They got four stomachs for the stuff. So, Linda, in that 1986 article, you said, and I quote, blame breastfeeding for anything you can think of and make up reasons to stop breastfeeding if necessary. I want to go back to that blame thing there. Um, Give us some things that people blame breastfeeding for. Oh, dear God. (laughs) How much time do we have? (laughs) Just today, Linda. I literally heard it from my mother-in-law. Your milk is too rich, and the next day your milk is too thin. Your mother Which is it? Oh, jeez. A friend of mine and I both went to the same public health nurse when our children were about six months old, both thriving breastfed babies. Well, I'm married to a very tall man. She's married to a very short man. She and I were both short. So my baby's on the 90th percentile on the old growth standard curves. Her baby is on the third percentile. And the nurse is trying to convince us both to push solids to make my baby grow slower and her baby grow faster. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So we went back to her the next day and say, which is it? Yeah. Yeah. This just And that was, gosh, those kids were now 40 years old. That was oh baloney God. then. And we knew it. And by the way, did it ever occur to the nurse to actually look at how tall the husband was? Did anybody ever kind of think of that? I don't know. Oh, me. I don't know. She then said, well, how many times does the baby, how much milk does the baby take from a cup? She doesn't. She's breastfeeding. Uh, well, if she did take it from a cup, how much, how much would she would take? 
you can't even answer that kind of a stupid question. No, you can't. Now, how about this one? Um, when people say that their baby is allergic to their milk, that one pushes me right over the edge. That one, if it happened, I would get a prize and it would be written up in the journals because it doesn't happen. Yep. Babies can yep. be allergic to foods that the mother is eating or drinking, particularly intact large proteins like cow milk protein. But they're not allergic to the mother. It's 50% genetic match. Yeah. The mother's own genetic stuff is in the milk. Yeah. It's just silly. You would never hear a veterinarian say, oh, well, the kitten is allergic to the mama cat's milk. We better give her dog milk. That's true. Of no, they would, they would be laughed out of their profession. Oh, absolutely. Some years ago, I sat on the airplane with uh, a woman who was a vet. I was sort of too hyper to go to sleep and too tired to do any work. And so, you know, I kind of made friends with my seatmate, and she was a vet. And what she told me about milk or colostrum for the animals, I remember thinking to myself, oh, great. The vets have got this figured out. And we, oh, yeah. Oh, and we don't. We don't. Well, we don't have... <sighs> Mothers are not exactly like mother dogs because mm-hmm. we humans can buy things oh, right, and right. dog owners pretty much want to leave the dog alone and do the best thing for the dog but we can be persuaded by the formula companies and here in the u.s we have zero laws to protect us from predatory marketing the world health organization and ibfan international baby food action network and UNICEF, United Nations Children's Fund, just collaborated on a country-by-country review of laws that protect breastfeeding according to the International Code of Marketing. U.S. came up empty-handed completely. Oh, what a surprise. So we let these companies market just like we used to let them market cigarettes back in the 1940s. Both of my parents died of smoking-related illnesses. I've got asthma because I was raised in a home with smokers, even though I was an athlete. But formula marketing is, is everywhere. It's on the Internet. It's in every office. It's in magazines. It's pervasive. Where are mothers going to get the true story? especially when the marketing has been pushed onto the health professions for 50 years or 60 years. We've only got a minute or so left, and I want to get to the reasons to stop breastfeeding. I know that this list is as long as your arm plus my arm, but can you give us the top five or so reasons of why people tell mothers they've got to wean their babies? Number one, you don't have enough milk. Yep, yep. Number two, it hurts. Yep. Number three... It's the breastfeeding that's making this baby behave like a baby. And they blame breastfeeding for the fact that the baby is not convenient. Yes, if you want convenience in your life, don't even buy a cactus. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> drives me nuts. You got number four for me? Oh, number four. Those are the top three. Oh. Children, well, children are inconvenient. Um, well, you know what I was going to say? I was going to say that baby is too old. Well, that too, yeah. In fact, I just got an email from someone from another country wanting information on why breastfeeding is important into the second year. Uh, Well, come on, that's been settled for for, for since 2003, since the global strategy came out from WHO. 
Oh, yeah. Well, of course, we know that none of these things ever get settled because they just get rehashed. But anyway, well, hey, listen. Who can we mark? Yeah. Yeah. We got we to gotta go to that commercial break. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I have with me today Linda Smith. Linda, 
if you had told me that you wrote this article yesterday, I would have believed you. <laughs> I, I would have, you know. Yeah, yeah. It feels like, to me, it just seems like nothing has changed in the past 30 years, and I feel like we're stuck. Now, what I want to know is, with all of us breastfeeding advocates out there, how come we haven't moved the needle? You want my opinion on that? Um, you're the one I'm asking, girl. Yeah. Formula marketing. Oh, interesting. We're up against a billion-dollar marketing that takes everything. They know more about breastfeeding than most breastfeeding professionals. Actually, actually, I'm going to give you a better answer. Okay. Ask the Surgeon General of the U.S. The report that came out five years ago, the Surgeon General's call to action, oh, uh-huh. lists it. Women are still frightened to breastfeed in public. They're harassed if they have to go back to work and actually express their milk or bring their baby to work. Look at the resistance to the Affordable Health Care Act and the, the worksite protections. We have formula marketed everywhere. Um, well, we well, have well, well. no good training in our nursing, medical, and dietetic schools. Well, that's true. Right now, I'm adjunct faculty at a medical school. I get to do an elective for first-year med students. I usually get less than six. I've done it for two years. Oh, brother. So what else do they get? I don't know. They do, when they're going through whatever their clerkship, they do have to follow our local lactation consultants in all the maternity hospitals. So the good thing is that we have that going on. We don't have evidence-based practices no. in all of our maternity facilities. We, don't. We, don't. we now have many baby-friendly designated hospitals, but until we're a lot closer to 20% than we are now, we don't have it That's yet. what I was just going to say is only 15%, so that's kind of a drop in the bucket. Right. So right. I want to talk a little bit about formula from a different aspect, Linda, and that is I truly believe, I truly believe, that if the formula companies closed down tomorrow at 8 a.m., I think we would still have a major problem of people, doctors, mothers-in-law, heaven only knows who else, who give mothers stupid advice about breastfeeding. Yep, we sure do. You know, we uh, eliminating the formula is not going to eliminate all of this garbage that we tell mothers. Well, I, I have a perspective on that from... A colleague who works, uh, it doesn't matter who, we have the societal beliefs that breasts are, are, are either icky or if we're a certain gender, we want to see more of them but not with a baby attached. That's true. So we're overcoming decades of the pervasiveness of bottle feeding just visually out in public. So that's, that's one thing. Secondly, breastfeeding gets instantly personal. Oh, I it like it. It does. If you're trying to lecture on breastfeeding to yeah. your public health colleagues, you have to say at the beginning of this saying, this is going to get personal. For this lecture, we're going to talk about the research. And you're going to start to hear. And they all want to tell their stories of yep. why they did or what they're going to do yeah. or how long they did or what happened and, and so on. Um, my husband and I visited a new church. And I tried to not say what I do. I'm in maternal child health. Well, I'm a lactation consultant. Instantly, Bam. stories of what happened, and you should tell mothers this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> and yep. Yep. I didn't go there to have a counseling call. <laughs> I'm laughing, Linda, because I've lived that very same story. Uh, and it's really hard to, it's like I'm not on duty 25 hours a day. Thank you very much. 
Uh, and uh, I do agree that, that that's definitely part of it. So we need to start wrapping up here. Um, what can mothers do when they hear this really icky advice? You gave us 10 things in that 1986 article, all of which were absolutely, you did not, I know you're pretty creative, Linda, okay? But I know that what you said in that article, you had really heard real people tell. Oh, of others. course. Yeah. Of course. Of Those course. Are, it's real yeah. truth there. So yeah. my question is, what do you tell mothers to do as a comeback or a whatever when they hear this garbage? Depends on the mother. Agreed. So on the positive side, I would encourage her to get some good books on breastfeeding from the Leche League, get to a mother support group, get to a WIC peer, get some good information so so that she knows that this is bullshit, or excuse me, <laughs> knows that these are stupid ideas. Linda, excuse me, what are your favorite books, top three, off the top of your head? Woman, the Art of Breastfeeding. Okay. Um, Sweet Sleep, because I helped write it. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, from Mothers. Yeah. Yeah, for mothers. Oh, there's, um, oh, I can't remember the title of it. Okay, I, I like Breastfeeding uh, Makes Simple. Oh, okay, uh-huh. By Nancy okay. Moorbacher and Kathleen yep. Kendall Tackett. Yep. Very good book. Okay. Uh, the Science of Parenting, which isn't about breastfeeding. It's Never all about it. infant's brain development, which ties right into breastfeeding. Absolutely, yes. It's by Margot Sunderland and Jan Pan- Panskep. Yep. Great book. So those would be my top ones. Okay. And they're all readable. They're all high school level or lower. So you would tell mother to get some good books, get some yeah. good support from people who know what Get some good support from oh. her sister, her aunt, her cousin, her mother, her peer, her somebody or other. And then either laugh or give them a snarky answer back. <laughs> give me a couple of snarky answers. So give me one of these bullshit statements. Um, your, your milk is too thin. Oh, really? And what do you know about this? Um, you've had it tested. (laughs) That was a really snarky one. Okay. I got it. Um, so, so Linda, what can people like you and me do to help people to stop saying this junk? Uh, put on a radio show like you're doing. Um, I'm less active with mothers as I think you are with your radio show. I've been very busy writing professional textbooks, books like Sweet Sleep, uh, lecturing to professionals, because one professional can cause more damage than any one stupid grandmother or aunt or cousin or person on an airplane. I remember telling my mother one time that I, you know, something to the effect of I teach about breastfeeding, and she said, uh, she just didn't get it. She said, nobody taught me about breastfeeding, yada, yada, yada. And I finally said to her, okay, mom, tell you what, I unteach breastfeeding. That's what yes. I do. I, yes. I, I take away all the garbage that these women have heard. That's really what I do. I got to tell you, you know what? That's all the time we have today. Can I add one thing, Marie? I don't mean to say that professionals are not smart. Sure. They've been fed a line of baloney also. I, I would and I'm so sad that they've swallowed it. And I'm trying to unteach the myths that have been out there from people that are in competition with breastfeeding. So true. 
So true. I'd like to thank Linda Smith, who has been my guest. And I want to point out to you, Linda's been our guest before. She's always wonderful. I would like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't have a show. Now, if you're interested in the books that Linda mentioned today, we will have them in our Amazon affiliate store. Just go to borntobebreastfed.com and you'll see those as well as others. And that's borntobebreastfed.com for books and media, my blog, whatever you are interested in, my Facebook page, all of that stuff, it's there. Uh, So come on and visit. If you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, I'm your source for evidence-based practice on the web and sometimes in your city. I just want to give a little plug here, too. Linda also gives courses, and I've never seen her teach, but I know she's terrific. Anyway, uh, my professional site is breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuso. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, whether it's 1986 or whether it's 2016, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.